0: Blunt Penknife, we're doing quicker. Go. What do you know? We don't know that Sai is right and we must obey. Let them know, let them know, let them know we're happy. Reach the morning with a shout. Fraser's wrong, the sun is out. Rah, rah, rah. <laughs> 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 Welcome back to uh, Hamster with a Blunt Penknife, the Doctor Who commentary podcast. A st- subtle hint as to what we may be talking about today, sorry, eh? Just yeah, I don't think anyone would 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 guess without it being. <laughs> you could make it less obvious. What's astonishing is I don't think this is the campest Doctor Who story out there, but it has many camp moments. Yes, well that that's kind of odd, really, because you'd think it's set in
1: like a holiday camp, so it should be be really camp, but it isn't.
0: Um. Is this the only time that the word gay is mentioned until Aliens of London? I think it might be. They have very different meanings, though, don't they? Yes, very different. I think Trout says at one point, doesn't he? Well, this is gay. Oh, yes, he does. <laughs> um, so we came to the conclusion that episode one was a very, very delicious scene setter. This insidious colony... With dark secrets and this very Orwellian controller overseeing. Yeah. It. Um, I got a question for you about the macra. Okay. Well, do you think that the cliffhanger to episode one will spoil by having the crab claw on the time scanner at the end of the moon base? Well, kind
1: of. I've I can see why they're doing it because they want people to tune in next week. Um, but it's it's very convenient that the, the Doctor finds a time scanner that he uses once and then never uses again Mm. just to get a bit of a a false scare out of the out of Polly, really, more than anything, and out of the audience. That would be
0: very helpful, you know, if every week he was using that time scanner. Oh, look, it's the Dalek Emperor. Oh, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, my god, it's that dickhead from the uh, Tomb of the Cybermen. (laughs) (laughs) It always shows you the monsters, and then when yeah, pop up. In uh, BDF, he'd be like oh well we're, we're...
1: oh my word jamie look at the size of
0: that thing <laughs> we're going to chloris now <laughs> um it's um yeah it's it's a bit of an odd one but it's not the only time like a bit of equipment has turned up for one story's purpose and oh then... well there mm. are hundreds of examples of that uh, well, I can think of the time and space visualizer. Yeah. Which never gets mentioned again. Um,
1: there's that, that emergency unit that they use in Creature from the Pit. Oh,
0: and also. That takes the them one, to Chloris. The, the emergency control in the mind robber. Yeah. It takes us out of the time and space dimension. Mm hmm. Uh, what else have we got? The time
1: vector generator. Ooh, that, that, that takes from? the dimension um, from the sort of wheel in space, which takes the dimensions of the TARDIS away because yeah. they're in trouble.
0: Um, yeah. So, so, okay. We won't, we won't be too mean on the macro mm-hmm. then for. No. <laughs> well, I know
1: that's the time control of the TARDIS doctor, but what did you do at the end of pyramids <laughs> of Mars?
0: Oh, that bloody thing. Yeah. Yeah. It took two two minutes to get the radio waves from Earth to Mars. What <laughs> well, we know you do. I
1: really like that story until the last episode. Wow. So it reminds me of City of the we Exelons. Well, it does. Well, <laughs> because it's exactly the same as City of the Exilons. <laughs> I'd say not quite as good. It looks like it had a maze on
0: the wall there. Yeah. Oh dear, oh dear. Well, right. Okay. So we're heading into episode two. Of the Mac- we are. And this is where all of our sinister brain control starts. Yeah, all of this kicks off, doesn't it, this week? And I think it's it's one of the better examples of this in, in Doctor Who, actually. Um, and a lot of it is down to the performances. Yes, they do do very
1: interesting things with their performances because of this, as I, we all discuss.
0: Count us in, then. Okay. I, I, in... If you start behaving, you know, in an unusual way... After I've been tossing in my sleep. That's not an unusual thing for you. All right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Count us in then. Okay. In five, four, three, two, one.
0: Let's go. I heard of you as a champion tosser, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Oh, sorry. This is on air, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. What do you think about these titles in colour?
1: I I really like them. Now, I have a story about these titles because I have a story of very brief. I almost went to meet a, a group of Doctor Who fans for the first time um, who lived in the village where I was living at the time and running my shop. There's much tossing going and, on there. Oh, sorry.
0: <laughs> okay, off so. your face. And, um,
1: so I went into the pub and got myself a drink, sat down and, and chatted to them. And um, they said, right, um, so we're having... Um, I said I said um the um topic for for discussion this week and I instantly thought oh hang on okay wasn't expecting a topic of discussion with the local with mm. this local group of fans right. um, so it is um the trouton years so simon as our, our new person this week um can you tell us um what's your favorite moment in the patrick trouton title sequence also i said i'm also thinking Are you taking the piss? Is this some kind of initiative test to get in or... And it turned out they were incredibly serious and they were discussing the Patrick Trouton title sequence in huge detail and wanted to know which part of the title sequence was my favourite moment.
0: We believe special effects, do you know, do you hold in higher claims?
1: So I was there saying, well, do you know, I've never really thought about which moment of the Patrick Trouton title
0: sequence was my favourite. I never went back. No, do you know, I actually went to one of those Doctor Who clubs, you know, the one in Brighton only did at one time, and I never went back as well. It, it was all a bit dictatorial, and <clears throat> no, I think it's much more fun to find people like this, you know, like-minded yes. people.
1: Yes, I I wasn't there for a regimented set of talks each
0: week. Um, since then, have you given it much thought, though? Do you now have a favourite moment? Well, no,
1: I, well, I really like that. I like that effect at the end of the titles, where you've got, like, the clouds coming towards you. That's very I nice. Like I like that bit. That's a nice his bit. His face looks
0: very sinister, you know. It it's does. It's mostly shot in weird ripples.
1: Yeah. And it's uh, very stark black and white in the original version. So it looks really good. I love that they put his animated
0: face in the titles for these ones and they haven't just used the normal ones. Yeah. It's very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, did you ever see the original, like when they put faces on the original Hartnell? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's fucking sinister, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> it really was.
1: But. Somehow it just works with Troutson, I think, because he, he does look a bit sinister, but also there's a sw- vague smile on his face as well. So he's kind of, I it's like his doctor, unknowable and a bit slippery, but Would you he's like reassuring and
0: sinister at the same time. When Colin Baker brandishes a smile or Sylvester McCoy winks out the screen at you, yeah. you just feel happy. Don't you? <laughs> Lovely. Oh, I see. He's got a very nice secretary pilot, hasn't he? Yes. Lovely yeah. hair. <laughs> it's sick. very, it's very Corporal Bell. It's very Corporal. Ah, okay. So he said here that the pilot has telecommunications with yes. everywhere in the colony, so he can spy on anyone. Yes. Well, that's Sinister, insane. isn't it? That's yeah. horrible. Yeah, it's very invasive. Mm-hmm. Honestly. But
1: again, quite prescient because yeah. there wasn't so much watching of the movement of your population at this time. And that was one of one of the fears, wasn't it, that people w- would be watching your every move. And now people genuinely are watching our every move, and they know where we've been, and they can track us from our phones and know exactly where what we've been up to.
0: I think there's a preoccupation with being observed on camera back back at this point. Do like, you remember yeah. So That's used to great, oh,
1: absolutely, yeah. yes, yeah. And that was a yeah, really, really, really good. Um, I have a, a friend of mine always says he always, when he thinks of the Patrick Troughton era, he thinks of Patrick Troughton talking to the audience through a screen because it happens in a lot of stories that he's talking to someone on a video screen. And that's his his sort of takeaway from
0: the Troughton era is always Patrick Troughton on a screen chatting with someone. There's a great moment in this, you know, where he's writing on the the see-through board yes and i don't know if that was exactly how it was shot um but he's he's basically talking to us isn't he straight yeah this board. it's really well done i just think trout is incredible but i do genuinely find that it took him three or four stories to find where he wanted to be i i listened yeah. to him in um not so much underwater menace in the highlanders and he's all, it's schizophrenic. He's all over the place. He's trying loads of things
1: out, I think, to see what he's, what's going to land.
0: Whereas some later doctors, I think, like Pertwee, pretty much got it from the off, you know, in his first story. He knew what yeah. he was doing.
1: Yeah, so with the first first three stories, you've got him dressing up and trying hats on and all of those sort of really eccentric things that get taken down in his doctor.
0: I would like a hat like that, Sigh. Well, who wouldn't? <laughs> okay, right. I'm going to hit you with Fraser's question for... Okay. Two. You ready? Us Doctor Who fans are a funny bunch. We have produced so much content in different media, audios, comics, novels, but we keep coming back to the missing stories, first with the recons and now with the animation. Given that there's no clamour to animate a big finish or such like, why are we drawn to recreate the missing episodes so much?
1: Oh, well, the missing episode's uh, it's, it's, it's just something mysterious about having the missing episodes, isn't there? I mean, it's something that fans of our age grew up with, that there will always be these stories that you'll never get to see. And for a long time, we didn't think we'd even get to sort of hear them, let alone anything else. So they're always just that little bit more unknowable than everything else. And I think that that carries on to this day. And so there's always this intrigue about we've got clues to what was happening on the screen, but we don't know for sure. And we've only got sort of the, um, oh, the macro do not exist. Well, that's a giveaway, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Macro! Um, but we we get those tantalising hints. So first of all, you've got the audios come back. So people have been recording it. So you've got that. So you, you can hear the performances. And then in the mid '90s, you get the telesnaps, So you get all these visual clues to things that you you wouldn't have seen. And so you get these tantalising bits of doing a almost thing. there. And then then you get the narrated version. So you have a bit more idea of what's going on with the audio and, and so on. And so we're sort of, it's like you're unpeeling this great big mystery gradually until you get something like this where they take their best guess or an even bigger guess than they might've done at the time um, to recreate something. I think there's just, it's just, we also like having the gaps plugged on the shelf.
0: <laughs> Well, I I think there's a a massive injustice behind the junking of them and the fact that we can't watch them. But all those different elements you just said there, and I'd I'd throw in the Target novels as well. Oh, God, yes, yeah. Mm -hmm. As faithful a recreation as possible in most cases. And it's like putting a puzzle together, isn't it? Yeah, and you've got got various different pieces and sort of...
1: that, But you can't ever quite get to where it would have been on TV because... The telly snaps are fascinating by what they show, but also what they don't show. Yeah. So, and so some scenes you've got huge representation for, and other scenes you've got two blurry pictures of Yeti walking
0: down the underground or whatever and trying to make sort of sense. What's been your biggest surprise then of material that's come back? Where we've had all these different versions of them, you know, replacing the actual episodes of all the episodes that have returned. Like, what's been your biggest surprise? Um, Do you know, I think it might have been
1: um, Marga in um, Galaxy 4 in airlock doing the monologue to the screen and seeing the flashback playing being recorded at the same time which wasn't something any of us could have known because there were no telesnaps for, for Galaxy 4 anyway. So that was always one of the more mysterious and unknowable stories as it was. So something like that, I think, was it. Um, I remember being absolutely amazed at the way all the delegates moved in the Dalek's master plan when we got Day of Armageddon back. Not that one who walks in with his
0: arms yeah. out kind of throbbing.
1: <laughs> and the way they all clap differently and things like that. So those are all... You can hear what's going on,
0: mm.
1: and you can imagine it, but there's always a surprise. you know what
0: mine was? Mine was the entirety, but specifically the Covent Garden sequences in episode four of The yeah. Web of Fear. Oh. It was so unrelentingly violent and so well-paced. Like, all you can hear in the soundtrack is the music and the gunfire, and that's really... And the cool. roar of the yeti. But when you actually saw the visuals, like, and I thought to myself, oh, this is never going to live up to what I thought. And it was fantastic. And then there was that, it cuts from that to that sequence in complete silence where they're in the radio spares shop. Yes. And the Yeti comes in, murders Knight, and then attacks the doctor. And I was like, this is Trouton is there beating the Yeti on the back. And I can imagine like um, as a kid, that would be fucking Yeah, terrible.
1: I can see why my mum always remembered that one and said that was, was such a good story.
0: So yeah, I mean I sometimes I think I think the conclusion we're drawing there is sometimes no matter how good the animation is, how clean the soundtrack is, how faithful the target novelization is, sometimes it just cannot replace that material. And I think right. that's what we long for. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. And I've talked all over the mind control sequences. We have. <laughs> you will think that everything in this commentary is good and wonderful. <laughs> you will only agree with all of Joe Ford's opinions. <laughs> Do you know, I did one with Fraser the other day, where was, we we're literally agreeing with each other the whole time. You both have been bloody brainwashed listening to that one. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'll tell you there's one word that describes Trouton, is um, anarchist. Yes. Yeah, he is always an anarchist. And that's something that
1: runs right through his his era, all the way through. So you touch back on it
0: in the Crotons, for instance, as well. And machines. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So why is it that Jamie is not under macro control? Because he will only take orders from the Doctor. Oh, I thought maybe because you had a simple mind. Well, as possible. This is different as well, isn't it? Because in the televised version, Jamie and Ben are in a different room to Polly. Yes. But for ease of animation, they're sharing. Because it doesn't them make more sense. One of them. The Doctor goes, oh, what am I thinking of? Ben and Jamie! And they're literally yes. a metre away from him. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this is this really... Is,
1: cool. um, this is, as we said in, in part one, um, Michael Cray's at his best. And the choice he makes here to drop Ben's cockney accent and talk in a, in cock- a very flat accent yeah. is really good, a good way of showing that he's under control. And it gives him something to play with later on when he's struggling against the control. Because he goes from one to the other, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, you can go between the voices to see where he is at that
0: point. So it gives the audience a really good thing to to hang a hook on. It's an interesting choice, Ben, isn't it? Because it could have been any one of the four of them playing yes. that role. And I'm kind of pleased it happened here because it does give him an opportunity to give like a a, a more thoughtful performance before he leaves the show.
1: Yes, um, because he's a really good actor and he doesn't yeah. get enough, enough kudos for that.
0: He did a lot of work after
1: this, did he? No, it? no, he didn't. He really struggled. He had quite a, a sad life sort of. Um, his acting career didn't take off. He went into hotel management and um, sort of running bars and things oh, like I, that.
0: I, I saw a scene in in like a documentary where he pulls a pint in this very, That's right. yeah. very dingy old hotel. Yeah. And it's, it's just all rather sad, really. Whereas Annika Wills, like... I, she left the country didn't she yeah she... she
1: went to india and went to find
0: herself and yeah, yeah yeah and obviously she was married to michael goff so they probably yeah. had a, mm-hmm. a, a lavish lifestyle and oh it was a horrible lifestyle what, he was, he was a...
1: very abusive really well vi- violent yeah, violent yeah and a difficult man her her um autobiographies are are amazing reads absolutely
0: oh they're downstairs you know yeah they're yeah
1: they're they're really good she had she's had a fascinating and interesting and difficult and brilliant
0: life but do you know what i um i saw footage of she did um like a birthday celebration thing last year where you could pay a tenner and it was like a zoom call and she'd be there and like I don't know if in old days she's gone off the rails a little bit, but she wasn't on form in that at all. And she was like she was having to go about these animations, saying that she had a lot of opinions about how they were drawing her and why can't you get oh. me right? And how because uh, they don't actually. Uh, it's
1: it's almost her, but it's I don't know, it's 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 slightly off,
0: isn't it? Yeah. I mean she's got a different look in this anyway. Yeah. She? Short hair. But, uh, also, okay.
1: I mean, I, I think in *Power of the Daleks*, they didn't do Michael Craze's justice, and this is a much better version of Michael Craze than we we saw in *In Power*.
0: I feel like all the movements are a lot more fluid as well. Yes, people... yeah, they
1: they've got the hang of of moving people. I mean, it's still not brilliant, but it's so much better.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think if they had more, oh, that's really creepy. Yeah. How oh, she's against the wall and he's almost like playing with her, isn't he? He knows mm-hmm. that she's there. Then he brings his arm yeah, he's trying to ferret her out, yeah. Make her jump. Yeah. Oh, but these sequences now. I love the animation of the macro crab coming out of the dark. Yeah. Because you just know it was going to be like this thing that was wheeled out in the real thing, don't you? You know, well, well, some of
1: this scene exists, doesn't it? I think this is one of the Australian sensor clips. So you've got you can see the macro wobble interview so the size and cost of a mini <laughs> you just see the glowing eyes coming out yeah. of the park, yeah, mm-hmm. and the
0: scuttling and things like that like yeah. i think i don't
1: think the the, the, the original macro pop, prop could scuttle
0: <laughs> i think they definitely in the perwee era they learn how to do like big big yes uh, creatures you know the spiders the maggots things like that yeah look at that coming out the dark that That's is so good, Oh, Ben's in shorts. I wonder if he's in shorts. real like, short shorts. shorts as well. We've mm. got nice calves, honestly. And this was that stage as well, wasn't it? Where they basically they've ditched the historicals now, and yes, Doctor Who is going to be kind of um, more about the monsters.
1: Yeah, it's your sci-fi based under st- siege sort of stories from now on, really, isn't it? Although the faceless ones is a bit of a, an oddity in this era. And again, they do, they do much the same thing with the accents when they're possessed by the chameleons, because um, Bernard Kaye's character in Crossland loses his strong flat. northern accent and becomes yeah. very generically sort of flat as well. So, and Fraser Hines does the same trick, doesn't he? When he's possessed, he loses the Scottish
0: there was there was this sort of um, bizarre obsession with losing your identity. Yeah, maybe that's that's sort of it. Yeah, because the
1: faceless ones is very much about a race who've lost their their own identities in a cosmic storm or or something. So yeah, and they're just flat and they've got nothing. I find the faceless ones very boring, you know. Hmm, interesting. you
0: like that one? I, I do quite like that one. I'm quite fond of that one. I feel like it could have been a, a, a pacey four, but it's, a, yes, it's uh, a six. Although I do love the bit where the plane goes up and turns into the spaceship. Yeah, that's really cool. <clears throat> but you know what you get, right? When you, we said a couple of times in... Um, episode one about this being a transitionary period uh, then trying to figure out who the companions are going to be, who Trouton's doctor is going to be, what the tone of the show is going to be, is I find season five, it's probably Trouton's most confident year in terms of how it's realised. Because yeah. I think every story in five n- looks really, really good. But it is essentially the same story over and over yeah, again. it's Yeah, it's some kind of base... In, under some kind of siege. <laughs> but and, here you've got like power of the Daleks, which is a tight, fabulous story. Yeah, one uh, of the, the best, best six parters of them all. Highlanders, which is like your last stab at the historical, yeah you know, mad comic.
1: Mad, absolutely movie.
0: insane story. Then you get like probably <laughs> the quintessential base under siege in the moon base. Yeah,
1: where they they just basically remake the tenth planet only far, far better.
0: And, and far more competently and then oh, stylishly. Yeah. Then mm-hmm. you've got this, which is um, uh, got a little more substance to it and is is very sort of creepy mind control story. Then you have the faceless ones, which is quite epic in what it's trying to do. Yeah. And you've got brilliant
1: outdoor filming in that at Gatwick Airport, sort of very
0: 1960s and then you've got evil of the daleks which is basically all of doctor who the past the present the future alien worlds it's yeah, doing it in one story yeah they're just doing the whole lot so <sighs> then why is 4 why why i find people argue between 5 and 6 as the best trout in years
1: yeah i 4 always again i think felt neglected because um <clears throat> i think it's for, for a couple of reasons firstly Five had early target books. So, The Abominables, um, Tomb of the Cybermen, The Abominable Snowmen, The Ice Warriors, and Web of Fear were all done in the 70s. So, they were always there. Like, they were really well known stories because everyone had the books to read. So, they were sort of part of the fabric. Season six won out because it had episodes that actually whole stories that existed. So, Yeah. yeah. So, Everything bar those episodes of the invasion and the Space pirates. everything is there. so you can watch it. You might not like it, but you can watch it. Yeah. But episode four, <clears throat> sorry, season four, um, it didn't have books until the 1980s apart from the moon base. Um, so that one was known. Everything Something
0: else bit existed, didn't it?
1: Yeah, there were 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 scant episodes which you didn't get to see. Um, everyone, um, everyone liked the Dalek stories, but the rest of it was sort of just unknowable. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it, and I think it sort of got overlooked for those reasons. It just didn't ever get its moment in the sun. Whereas I think the range of storytelling in season four and se- and season six are vastly superior to what they do in season five but the season five stories are made so competently and and brilliantly i remember watching the two yeti episodes when they had the doctor who BSB weekend in 1990 and having that that weird moment of thinking actually no 60s doctor who is as brilliant as 70s doctor who and 80s doctor who but just in in different ways. And they're they're very atmospheric. And I wasn't expecting them to, because you sort of have this feeling when you're young that, oh, stuff in the 60s must be worse than stuff that's made now. But it's
0: just different. All right, then. Well, I'm going to ask you, as the episode's ended, a very unfair question. (laughs) Given right. that we've just talked about, and we haven't even mentioned um, the smugglers and the 10th planet. No, mm-hmm. uh, which is, uh, you know, the final horror of William Hartnell. Well, what's your favorite trout and season, Cy? Si? <laughs> That's very unfair, Joe. <laughs> um, oh, <ooh>, <laughs> it's really
1: hard because there are things that I love in all of them and things that I don't like in
0: all of them. So, I mean, I can answer very quickly, Mine. Month six. And that's just because I think the troughton Hines padbury relationship is unbeaten. It's just... Unbeaten. I, I
1: actually would err on that side as well, because I think they are one of the best and most unsung TARDIS teams in Doctor Who history. It's like
0: three kids going okay.
1: around the universe together. <laughs> they're just having fun. <laughs> and it's just that brilliant relationship of Zoe being smarter than the doctor in some ways but the doctor being super smart but hiding it Jamie being the the kid brother that you is just just there as the muscle almost and yeah and so oh uh, yeah no it's just they're just an absolute joy to watch in every single story
0: I would want to travel with those three because I just yes. think it would be a, a blast and a half. Whereas I'd be a bit unsure about this three because I don't know how Polly or Ben would treat me if I'm honest, and I wouldn't want no. to travel with Victoria because she'd irritate the fuck out of me. I'll know that <laughs> all of her whining. <laughs> oh, Jamie! <laughs> um, we talked over it, but that's a really great cliffhanger at the end of episode. Yes. Yeah, we've done a lot of talking
1: over the action without talking about the action. Well, well, I'll tell you what, we'll focus
0: more in the last two.
1: Yes, because I do want to talk about Peter Jeffrey as well because he's really good and other members of the cast who are really good.
0: But they do it in a really lovely um, animation choice there where the camera cuts to the disheveled controller. Yes. And then the camera, well, it's not a camera because it's animation, but the camera is tipped and then you just see the, the macro shadows scuttling towards yes. him. And that's, I mean, it's that brilliant, suspenseful thing of what you don't see rather than what you do Absolutely. See. And sort of, I think about this, going back, this
1: has sort of triggered a memory. Um, so going back to what you were saying about why was season four overlooked? Because there weren't any pictures. There were no photos. So there, from the macro terror, there are a couple of photos of the controller and the pilot, and um, the um, old sort of um, controller um, with with the claw coming at him. Oh, but crazy. that was it from this story. There was nothing else. So I there was nothing to show you what of it was of like. Ola holding up oh, his yes, chain with Peter just right. behind him. There was yeah. that picture. But... but there wasn't anything else. So you had no idea what it looked like. You had no idea what a mackerel. I thought the mackerel. <laughs> Bizarrely, I used to think the macro was like um a small creature that was with a claw at the end,
0: like a big insect, and that was it.
1: I didn't know that there was this big creature behind the claw. Do
0: you remember when they started printing like one episode of the telly snaps in Doctor Who magazine? Yes. Her it issue.
1: was really, really exciting. I oh got
0: some sticky pages then, so si, I'm telling you. <laughs> I was literally and I was scrutinizing every fucking yeah. deal of this this tiny, tiny picture. Yeah. Yeah just going, oh, my God, what did that look like moving?
1: Yeah, and suddenly you get to see the sets that you wouldn't see and other characters that you have no idea what they look like. So,
0: maybe again, that's that... Maybe that's the answer to, to Fraser's question, is the reason why we're so obsessed with these missing episodes is, is because we want to see them so badly. We scrutinised what evidence there is there yes. so much. I think you're right. I usually am. Oh! <laughs> <laughs>